Obviously, we've been dealing with Return of the Mac for a few days now, and Akira Schmidt was unfortunately the odd man out. So I'm going to finally address the goalie situation in today's episode, and also part two of yesterday's episode in which I address some of your guys' concerns. We have a lot to talk about in today's episode of Locked on Devils. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential media member, Trey Matthews. So in the previous episode, I addressed some of the concerns that you guys had for the New Jersey Devils going into the playoffs and also beyond. And I said, if that episode did well, then I will do a part two follow-up. So that episode did well. So today is going to be part two. And also courtesy of our friend Ryan Ovazinski, he recently released an article that sort of intertwines with some of the concerns that you guys brought up. So we're going to look at snippets of that article. And then basically I'll give you guys my thoughts as to how the New Jersey Devils can improve, at least based on my perspective. But before we do, I know I'm a couple days late to the story, but obviously I want to discuss Akira Schmidt and his overall situation because uh, clearly Mackenzie Blackwood is back from injury. But uh, as a result, Akira Schmidt was the odd man out. And a lot of you express your uh, displeasure towards the Devils organization for basically sending Akira Schmidt back down to Utica in favor of Mackenzie Blackwood. So like I said, I know I'm a little late to the story, but obviously there were some priorities ahead of it. But now that I have some time, let's discuss the circumstances and why Akira Schmidt is the odd man out in this case. So like I just said, Mackenzie Blackwood returns from injury. A lot of people were wondering, like, what's going to happen to Akira Schmidt? Is he going to be sent back down to Utica? I did an episode covering the matter a few times because this isn't the first time we've had this discussion. Obviously, earlier in the year, Mackenzie Blackwood got hurt, was out for an extended period of time. And remember, Vitek Vancek was then thrust into the starting role. Akira Schmidt was brought back up from Utica, and he surprised a lot of people. And Akira Schmidt was a part of the 13-game win streak. So it raised the debate. What's going to happen to Mackenzie Blackwood? I said in that episode that I still feel as though that Mackenzie Blackwood is going to regain his prior position with the Devils just because he's a veteran. Obviously, he's getting paid handsomely. So it's just like for Akira Schmidt... I thought he was going to be the odd man out. And my opinions didn't change when the matter was brought up once again. So here's the thing. And I, I shed some light as to why Akira Schmidt was sent down in, in favor of Mackenzie Blackwood or why uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is now back to being the backup goalie for Devils. So I recently tweeted out the reason why Akira Schmidt got sent down is because Mackenzie Blackwood is currently making $2.8 million and would have to clear waivers in order to hypothetically reach Utica. It's also hard to carry three goalies on an NHL roster. It was an unfortunate business decision. Now, Ben Burnell, who covers the Utica comments, he's a friend of the show. He saw my tweet and he also replied to it. He said, there's also a huge part where Blackwood is not eligible to play in the AHL this season because he wasn't made eligible at the deadline. Schmid was. Now, Ben Burnell, in a separate tweet, not responding to uh, my comments, he said that, you also have to consider the fact that it's hard to carry three goalies on an NHL roster. And Amanda Stein also chimed in, and she said that 
it gives all three goalies a chance to get some game reps. So for uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, he gets obviously reps at the NHL level. And then for Akira Schmidt, he goes back down to Utica and he gets his reps there. Now, a lot of people are wondering, was that the right decision for the New Jersey Devils? Now, in our heart to heart, if you were to ask any Devils fan, who would they rather have? Would you rather have Mackenzie Blackwood or would you ha rather have Akira Schmidt? Because just to read you the numbers, Mackenzie Blackwood has appeared in 18 games. He has a win-loss record of 9-5-2. He has a goals against average of 3.04 and a save percentage of 900. When comparing that to Akira Schmidt, Schmidt has a win-loss record of 8-5-2. He has appeared in 17 games. He has a goals against average of 2.24 and a save percentage of 9-18. So obviously, I think a lot more Devils fans would have preferred Akira Schmidt over Mackenzie Blackwood. And I, I know there was some discussion as to how well Akira Schmidt was playing and how much uh, Vitek Vancek was kind of struggling the last few weeks or so. Some people were discussing as to whether or not maybe Akira Schmidt will become the new starting goalie for the Devils. I was not one of those people, but I get where the argument is coming from. Now, was it the right call is the overall question. Regardless of what you think, uh, and regardless of what you believe. And personally, I know Akira Schmidt is better than Mackenzie Blackwood at this current state. But like I said in my tweet, it's a business decision because here's the facts, which is Mackenzie Blackwood is making $2.8 million. He would have to clear waivers. Now, I just want to make something perfectly clear. I'm not saying that a team would claim Mackenzie Blackwood off of waivers because to clarify, teams can still claim a player off waivers at this point, but worth mentioning that that player would not be eligible for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I The chances are, I think Mackenzie Blackwood would clear waivers, but here's some other obstacles that you have to encounter, which is Mackenzie Blackwood, like I said, is making $2.8 million. So you have a very expensive player playing in your AHL program, and he can't even suit up in any of the games, similar to what Ben Burnell tweeted out. So it doesn't make much sense to put Mackenzie Blackwood through that hassle of getting to Utica when he can't even get any game reps and he's being paid $2.8 million. So what, you want him to get like a free ride in Utica or whatever the case might be? That doesn't make any sense logistically. Whereas for Akira Schmid, it's like he could be sent back down to Utica and there's no repercussions. So look, Akira Schmid is still on his entry-level contract. And I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Akira Schmid will get his chance. Unfortunately, similar to Alexander Holtz's situation, the Devils' success and also the amount of uh, veterans who've been on the team longer than he has, unfortunately, it doesn't play into his factor. So once again, Mackenzie Blackwood is set to become a, a restricted free agent come the offseason. Do I think the New Jersey Devils are going to re-sign him? Personally, I don't think so, given how well Akira Schmidt is playing. So Akira Schmidt is going to get his chance. And who knows? Wink, wink. We might see Akira Schmidt come the end of the year when the roster expands for the Devils. So I'm just saying for the time being, uh, it was unfortunately the move that the Devils had to make. In my heart to heart, I do believe that Akira Schmidt is better than Mackenzie Blackwood, and he's proven that he has a lot more potential, and he's still relatively young. And obviously for Mackenzie Blackwood, he tends to get injured a lot. Sometimes he teeter-totters on playing good to being mediocre to being terrible. Obviously, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because sometimes the defense in front of him isn't all that good. But at the end of the day, guys, this was just the business decision that the Devils had to make. So once again, I know I'm a day or two late on the story, but obviously I had to cover the Devils game when they played the Islanders and I had to address your guys' concerns. And 
Speaking of which, that's what we're going to transition into. Okay, so once again, I tweeted out a few days ago during the Islanders and Devils game that was it time to be concerned for the Devils somewhat just because, let's face it, the last few weeks, some of their areas of weakness have been getting exposed as of late. So uh, a lot of you responded to the tweet. Some of you were concerned. Some of you were not so concerned. Some of you expressed your displeasure. And in the previous episode, I talked about how I don't believe Lindy Ruff is the issue. I talked about some of the defensive lapses for the Devils. However, I don't think I gave a reasonable solution. And also, uh, I talked about how the personnel, particularly with Timo Meyer, seems to be coming short just a little bit. Especially, I think the Devils should be a much better power play unit, given the fact with the amount of talent and scoring options they have. But digressing a little bit, courtesy of our friend Ryan Ovazinski, he recently released an article on NJ.com expressing some of his concerns for the Devils going into the playoffs. And like I said at the beginning of today's episode, it kind of intertwines with some of the issues that you guys have. So I'm going to go over some of the concerns that you guys sent in to me, and then I'm going to use uh, Noble's article to back up your concerns and show why it is indeed um, valid as to why you have these concerns for the Devils. So one of the concerns that you guys have is obviously the defense. Now, I talked about it in the in the previous couple episodes because I said if that Islanders game was any indication, it shows that the Devils defense needs a lot of work because we saw Ryan Graves get exposed not once but twice by Kyle Palmieri. Then we saw Andre Palat had a defensive end turnover because he was trying to pass the puck to Jack Hughes, but ultimately the Islanders were able to locate the puck and score. I shouldn't have to expect those kind of mistakes from Andre Palat given the amount of experience he has. But look, it's bound to happen and everyone's going to make a mistake. No one's perfect. But still, the the overall thing that you guys have is that you're concerned with the defense for the Devils. And Ryan Ovazinski recently uh, wrote in his article that uh, you should be somewhat concerned for the defense because here's what he said uh, recently. He said, at plus 53, the Devils have the second highest goal differential in the NHL this season, trailing the only historic Boston Bruins who have a ridiculous plus 118. So here's the thing. Their month of March hasn't been all that good because like we said, the last few weeks, the Devils have been getting more exposed in terms of their shortcomings. So Noble also added, in their previous 15 games, the Devils have surrendered 47 goals and scored just 48 at all strengths. They're allowing far too many odd man rush situations, which has led to 27 high danger goals against in March, Ruff, who has rolled with an 11-4, seven defenseman lineup the past two games, needs to figure out consistent defenseman pairing with eight games remaining. So Lindy Ruff recently said uh, that he is going to go back to the 12 forwards and six defensemen. And like I said in the previous episode, I don't have that big of a problem with the uh, line combinations in that sort of way. It just depends who's out there. So going off of what Novo said, it goes to show you that that the, that the Devils do know how to score. and But at the same time, it doesn't matter if you're giving up that the same amount of goals. So like I've said in prior episodes, I die on the hill saying that the Devils were probably one of the better offensive teams last year based on my eye test because I said that the Devils can score six to seven goals, but it didn't matter if they allowed six or seven goals and, and ultimately lost the game. Because I said the Devils can score in bunches more often than the average NHL team. And I saw that potential. 
and now it's being on it's being displayed wholeheartedly during the course of this year. However, the defense is starting to get more and more exposed. So Novo gave a reasonable solution as to how the New Jersey Devils can fix it. He said, breaking up Ryan Graves and John Marino, this duo was one of the most dynamic in the NHL at its peak. But since it has become a liability in 216 minutes on five on five in the time of March, Graves and Marino have been on the ice for five goals for 15 goals against and have expected goals percentage of 56.29%. Top pairing defenseman Jonas Sigathar has struggled as well, posting a 57.93 percentage of expected goals for percentage since March 1st. So is that the reason why Jonas Sigathar was a healthy scratch just a few weeks ago? So it is a little concerning for the defense for New Jersey Devils, because if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but defense wins championships and if the devils aren't able to tighten up defensively then guess what you're going to get exposed more ways than one and it also leads into the other concern that people have because they feel as though the devils aren't playing aggressive night in and night out and as a result some of their opponents are able to walk over them and expose them and thus the devil when the devils decide to pick it up it's too little too late so the defense for the devils they do need to shake it up i agree with ryan ovazinski wholeheartedly and Part of the part part of the solution that I have is you got to make Brendan Smith a healthy scratch. Now, a lot of people are going to be saying like, Trey, why do you hate Brendan Smith so much? Yada, yada, yada. I just want to make something perfectly clear. I do not hate Brendan Smith, but I just think that Kevin Ball for the time being has been the better player. And I think Kevin Ball deserves a chance at just showing uh, what he's capable of at a bigger stage more consistently. So, Kevin Ball is a big body out there, and Novo even touched on it in his article because he said that Kevin Ball has been performing lights out during the course of March. So Kevin Ball is picking it up at the right possible time, and he has made a complete turnaround compared to what he was doing in the first half of the year because if you guys remember, a lot of people were complaining, saying that Kevin Ball was just a liability out there. It was a turnover machine. But since then, he keeps offensive possessions alive. He's a big body frame out there. My buddy Jersey Joe can back me up on this because Kevin Ball is a part of the Sasquatch squad. So I think Kevin Ball should be uh, starting in favor of Brendan Smith. Now, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Brendan Smith has uh, shown signs of being aggressive. He is a veteran out there. And if I recall correctly, I think Brendan Smith was the only player that wanted to stick up for Nico Keisher back earlier this year when the Devils were playing the Senators, because remember, Austin Watson had a dirty cross-check from behind on Nico Heischer that did hurt our captain momentarily, and Brendan Smith was trying to hunt down Austin Watson. And 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 Brendan Smith does have a good track history of sticking up for his teammates, but my thing is just like, I, I just want to make something perfectly clear. Once again, I don't hate Brendan Smith, but I think Kevin Ball needs to be in the lineup more consistently. And I, I, I just and I agree with Novo. You do have to break up, unfortunately, John Marino and Ryan Graves, because I remember when Ryan Graves and John Marino, they were smothering shots like there was no tomorrow. I remember that game against the Edmonton Oilers. They were able to play great defense on Leon Dreisaitl and the big gun, Connor McDavid. Even though Connor McDavid was able to score that game, it was one of the reasons why the New Jersey Devils were so successful during their 13 game win streak. Because they were able to suppress shots. They were able to slow down your momentum. They were able to cut off your passing lanes, whatever the case might be. And the Devils also need to work on clearing the puck a little bit more. Because if you don't clear the puck, 
you just create more offensive possessions for your opponent. And we saw that during the course of the Tampa Bay Lightning series because the Devils had few chances to clear the puck. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And as a result, the Lightning were able to stick around in, I believe that was game two. But um, moving on, it's just like the, the Devils defense is a little bit of a concern. And it's my main concern going into the playoffs because defense does win championships. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering, Trey, why not Damon Severson? Why is Damon Severson continuing to play? And despite him making sometimes boneheaded mistakes, and I know I've been critical on Damon Severson in past episodes. I've had a chance to ask Damon Severson about one of his big blunders against the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, here's the thing, and I want to give credit where credit is due. According to Bryce and Erica during the pregame show before the Devils took on the Ottawa Senators, they acknowledged Damon Severson has been steadily improving. And here's how his numbers rank in the NHL. So offensive zone stick checks, he ranks second in the entire NHL. Defensive zone stick checks, he ranks 15th in the NHL. Shots four, 51.1%, fifth in the entire NHL. Chances four, 58.8%, fourth in the entire NHL. High danger four, 63.7%, first in the entire NHL. So that's why Damon Severson is not a healthy scratch. And he's steadily been improving for devils and i think he's done a pretty decent job of holding down the fort now do i want him back next year no because we could use that money for someone else but damon severson that's why he is not a healthy scratch and i think he deserves a lot more credit of holding down the fort so i think maybe you could put ryan graves with damon severson maybe that dynamic could work my thing is like this defense does have a lot of potential because you got dougie hamilton he's a big offensive weapon we know john marino Jonas siegenthaler they know how to hold down the four on the defensive side of things at least uh, early on this year and then for kevin ball lots of upside damon severson the advanced analytics show it he hasn't been improving steadily and then ryan graves i always said he's a silent but deadly impact uh kind of player so Definitely don't want to sleep on him and his caliber. So the defense needs to improve big time. And they have the pieces to do so, but they got to form it together. And going back to Lindy Ruff and I said in the previous episode, would like to see a little bit more consistency. Now, before we close out today's show, I want you guys to make some extra cash. So I want you guys to head over to FanDuel. So the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Quite honestly, this final four is going to be lame in my eyes and I'm just saying that because my bracket has been busted and I'm a little bitter. But nonetheless, if right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out at, at a chance at your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And you know the drill. Visit our friends at LockedOn Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Okay, so another concern that you guys brought up is that you feel like the Devils don't really show that much effort throughout the entire 60 of the game. As in, they show spurts of it but sometimes it's too little too late. And I think the previous two games against New York Islanders are a good example. So that game back in December, when the Devils took on the Islanders, they lost what six to four and the Islanders, it looked like they were in the midst of a blowout, but the Devils were able to amount a decent comeback. And then 
in their more recent game against the New York Islanders. Obviously, they lost 5-1, but the Devils showed much uh, better effort as the game progressed. But once again, too little, too late. Now, Novo also touched on this in his recent article, but he said that it's sort of the first period woes for the Devils. And I think that's a good example because how do you solidify yourself? How do you get yourself into a rhythm? How do you get yourself into a groove? usually playing well in the first period. So here's what Novo had to say. The first period has been problematic for the Devils all season. New Jersey has 61 total first period goals this season, 21st in the NHL, and 60 goals against. Their second period numbers are much better, 95 goals, which is tied for fourth. But it doesn't mask the ugliness of their weak opening. So I think Ryan Novozinski hit the nail on the head, which is if you don't have a good first period, it's going to – carry over into period number two or period number three. So one of the things I, I've been saying on this show, which is the Devils' miraculous comebacks this season, because I think at the time it's recording, the Devils are leading the entire NHL for come-back-from-behind victories. But I say they cannot rely on that come playoff time because when you're going against best of the best, those teams are not going to take any prisoners when it comes to uh, you trailing. So, look, the Devils – their overtime battles, their overtime victories, they're great and all. I had a chance to witness one when they played the Arizona Coyotes uh, in person. But at the same time, they cannot keep relying on that as their get-out-of-jail-free card. So, look, yeah, don't, don't lean on that too much. So they need to figure out a way how to get off to a good start in period number one. And sometimes things don't go their way. But it's something I've been talking about also the last few episodes, which is you got to find a way. Because come playoff time, it's not going to matter. you got to figure it out. I'm not a coach. I'm not on the bench. So, obviously, it's way easier said than done on my end. But at the same time, you you got to get off to a better start to the games if you want any success come playoff time. And to close it out, they're about to play the New York Rangers at the Prudential Center, and this is going to be a key matchup for them. It's the first time that we're going to play the New York Rangers post-trade deadline so obviously they got Tarasenko on their roster they got Kane on their roster most likely you're going to have to play against Shesterskin so it's like how are you going to match up against the newly looked Rangers and how are you going to answer the door because Patrick Kane said in a recent interview that he's ready and the Rangers are just behind the New Jersey Devils in the Metro so my thing is this is a this is probably going to be one of the playoff scenarios for the Devils, if they don't get the first position in the Metro, you're going to have to play the New York Rangers. So my thing is, here are the X factors going into the game. Get off to a good start. Hopefully Lindy Ruff figures out a way to tighten up the defense. And third and final, if you are behind or if something doesn't go your way, you have to find a way to answer on back. And you have to find a way to do it quickly. Don't let it get to you. I know it's frustrating. I know the Devils are probably tops in the NHL for most goals waved off this year. But at the same time, like I said, come playoff time, you're just going to have to become adaptable. So that's my thing. Those are my key takeaways going into the matchup for New York Rangers. That's my new challenge for Devils, and I will talk about it in my postgame recap. So I still have faith in the Devils. I haven't lost hope in them. And like I said, I think every team has their respective concerns going into a playoff series, especially since this is the New Jersey Devils' first time in the playoffs in five years. So I, I know there's some jitteriness from the coaches, the players, and obviously the fans are sitting on pins and needles. But my thing is simply this, like whatever issue that the Devils have, I think it's still fixable. And I, I would just like to see the power play improve just a little bit more. But uh, similar to what Novozinski said in his article, all Lindy Ruff has to do is maybe change up the defense just a little bit. So 
break away John Marino from Ryan Graves and see what, what happens in that sort of aspect and then give Kevin Ball just a bigger role or a bigger chance to showcase what he can do. Novo said in his article that he would put Kevin Ball on the same line as Dougie Hamilton, and I never thought of it like that. That's actually quite compelling. I, I'd be down for that. I, I That'd be something I'd see, and I think Jersey Joe would like to see that as well if you're listening to the show. So let me know what you guys think, and are there any more concerns that you have for Devils? I think I touched on all the concerns that were pretty much uniform amongst the fan base. So talked about their defense, talked about some of their slow starts. I talked about uh, the coaching decisions made by Lindy Ruff. I talked about the personnel. So do you have any more concerns for the Devils as they try to wrap up the regular season on a high note and then march into the playoffs? And let me know what you guys think about Akira Schmidt and the overall situation of him being sent down. So as for this episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.